This is episode 54 of the Rising Man podcast with Matthew Aris. All you need is love. Welcome back, Rising Man fam, to another episode of the Rising Man podcast. I'm your host and creator of the show, Jetty Azuma, and I am still so energized by the elements weekend that we just had we were out there up in the wilderness um we actually got washed out of the spot we were supposed to be in because of all this amazing rain and had to call a last minute pivot to a different location and it turned out to be just an amazing weekend every single one of us men myself included had some major breakthroughs and so already looking forward to the next one we'll be able to have looking for a date sometime towards mid to late august but i'll make sure i keep you guys posted out there for all of you guys who are interested if you want to check it out in the meantime go see what we're up to head over to rise.jettyzuma.com slash elements to check out some information on what the three-day elements initiation weekend is all about and a special shout out to my conscious man brotherhood my brothers who are flying in from all over the world right now to converge for the cmb king's council <laughs> we're going to be having a founding fathers retreat this next week so i'm really excited about that and i'll take a moment just to direct everybody every one of you men who have been listening and are interested in carrying on the conversations from this podcast about manhood what it means to be a man and how we can better our best in terms of being the men we've always wanted to be. I'm directing everybody over to the PAC Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash the PAC Brotherhood. There are darn near 2,000 men in this group now from all over the world who are contributing and reflecting and mirroring and supporting each other daily around all the different things we go through as men. So if you're looking for a virtual network to tap into outside of the Rising Man podcast, but within this Conscious Man network, head over to the Pack Brotherhood Facebook group right now. And one more opportunity before we get into today's guest, we are reigniting our Rising Man Fire Circle starting this Saturday, January 26th from 3 to 4.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The topic that we're going to be talking about is porn, pornography, how this affects our sexuality and our objectifications of women and all of the relationships that we have because of the habituation of porn and sexualization in our culture. It's been a really fascinating topic that was opened up um, when I did a Facebook Live about a week ago and I decided to do the Monday morning meditation this week, expanding into that and how we as men can help to shift and change this culture. So join us for our virtual fire circle this Saturday, January 26th. If you are interested and you want to get the link to jump in, send me a direct message on Facebook Messenger and I'll make sure you get hooked up. Okay, so our guest for today is none other than one of my brothers, Matthew Aris. He is a storyteller, a creative producer, body work, and energy healer. He spent several years in the production industry working with Jay-Z, Beyonce, Apple, and Google, just to name a few. He is currently working on an, an amazing project with Ryan Fontana and Adam Roa, who have all been guests on the Rising Man podcast before. And he is the co-creator and producer of the art of choosing love and he came on the show today to share his journey in relationships self-discovery and the art of choosing love what that project is all about and what those amazing brothers are up to with their message and their journey so in this episode we talked about having the courage to express our sexual desires to our partners a higher level of truth and intimacy in relationships what's possible when we start sharing what we really 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 want 
stepping outside of codependent partnerships so that we can discover who we are, how easily we get caught up in defining ourselves by the relationships that we're in, and how choosing to connect with himself and his purpose landed Matthew on the journey of a lifetime with two amazing brothers. Without further ado, my brother, Matthew Aris. All right, here we go. Live on the Rising Man podcast, one of my dear brothers, Matthew Aris. How are you doing tonight, brother? I'm really well. I'm really well. I'm back in LA. I got my tribe around me. I'm, I'm happy. Back in LA after a an awesome journey. I got it, 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 It's been so awesome to watch you and Adam Roa and Ryan Fontana and the rest of your crew that you guys have accumulated go on this journey with this question of what is the art of choosing love? It's so cool to watch you guys, man. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's a wild ride and a really beautiful experience that we get to navigate right now at this time in our life. Yeah, man. And, and we're definitely going to lean into that. You know, this, my intention for this interview, wherever this ends up going, is to have a conversation about relationships. And obviously you've been deeply immersed in that on a personal level and on a collective level, creative level. So let's start here, okay. uh, where I like to start every one of these is, for you, what is the difference between a boy and a man? Mm, a man... A man is in his purpose, in his truth, in his integrity, in his alignment. A man has a plan and has an idea of how to get there. Not necessarily like knows how to get there, knows all of the steps, but has has at least his idea and way in which he wants to navigate getting to that space, whether that's creating a family or building a home or creating a business. A man has the ability to hold that structure and know to take the next step. Not necessarily every step on the path is pre-illuminated, but recognizes when the next step is illuminated and knows when to take that step. Whereas a boy is looking for validation, is looking for something outside of himself to feel better about himself. A, a boy is looking for his mother. A boy is looking for his friends. A boy is looking to be heard or seen. And a man just knows you know, his worth, knows that it doesn't matter who who sees him or or who who holds him as long as he's able to see himself fully and hold himself fully. Mm. I resonate with that a lot, especially the validation piece. That's something that we haven't, it's been mentioned here by other guests, but it's not something that's been really highlighted is where boys and men go in search of validation, you know, externally or internally. I like that distinction a lot. Mm -hmm. Because we're going into this topic of relationships, I also wanted to get your definitions for masculine and definition for feminine. I love, and I always use, like when I work with people, David Data's definition of it or the way the analogy that he uses which is the the masculine is is the banks of the river and the feminine is the river that flows through it for me the masculine is the structure it's the the formulation that allows for the feminine fluidity to dance it creates the safe space and the safe container for the feminine to feel fully expressed not just man and woman but the feminine within us i need to know that if I'm going to allow my creature, my vessel to dance and move and create and be in my sensuality, be in my feminine, that there needs to be the foundation that supports that where it's safe to express that. So that the masculine creates the, the structure for that safety. It creates the structure for that, that container to then allow the, the beautiful fluidity to, to move. Mm -hmm. And then also, I, I like how Data talks about the feminine is what the masculine gets to drink up. 
gets to gets to mm-hmm. um, not feast on, but be fed by, you know, be, be in, energized and invigorated and inspired by. Yeah, entirely. Uh, someone explained it to me recently as the feminine is like the Amazon jungle. It's like the rainforest. It's wet and it's lush and it's it's just filled with life and nourishment and and men go there to drink it up and and feel that moisture on their skin and on their tongue and then the masculine is the desert the masculine is where they go to like build to where where like it's ultimate possibilities to create the structure that they want to um you know go on their mission with mm-hmm. awesome man i think that's actually a great segue into uh the conversation of attraction and how that fits into relationships because Let's be honest, right? You're walking down the street, whether you're in a committed relationship or not, and there is a beautiful, amazing woman who's walking towards you that has just raw feminine energy pouring out of her. Mm-hmm. Every man is going to notice that, whether you're in a committed partnership, whether you're single, whether you haven't thought, even if you're even if you're not attracted to women, you feel that, that feminine essence. So in contrast to that, we know that a lot of society makes it bad. There's a lot of guys who train themselves to look away or to to pretend that you don't see it even though you do. And so I'm wondering how we as men can have a different context for how we hold this. And it's something that Data says. I mean, when you brought him up, it made me think of this, that there's a way in which we as men in our masculine can appreciate and uh, soak up the feminine in a way that's not necessarily sexual. Do you have a perspective or an opinion about that? Mm. Yeah, I think I think there's a difference between objectification and like honoring, but, but between like recognizing and recognition versus like sexualizing as an object. And I think so often in society as as boys, as as men, so many people through the way in which we're shown through the media and and through, you know, many social circles and 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 high school and and the way our structure has been created, there is this like conquest to to conquer women or to see them as this prize, as this like mark, uh, you know, the hunter and the prey. And through that, we've been conditioned into this like overtly sexualization and objectification of women. And I feel like the, the transition is to truly honor, honor, honor that that woman in her divinity, honor that that queen for for being in her fullest most wild essence whatever that looks like however that is expressed in the fully expressed feminine truly just honor it for what it is and and hold it in its highest and and not objectify not sexualize yeah i totally agree with you man and i think that that's up to us as men to check hold ourselves in check to really keep ourselves in check around am i am i just objectifying and sexualizing women all day long when I walk up and down the streets, you know, and being honest with ourselves, is that, is that what I'm doing? Or can I be in a deep reverence and honoring of beauty? Mm-hmm. Um, even, even aside from beauty, just, just the, 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 the feminine, it's so much more than skin deep too. You know, that when you experience a woman who's really in her feminine power, it's attractive. Mm-hmm. And can I, can I appreciate that? Like you said, honoring it for what it is versus um, trying to conquer it. Mm-hmm. or trying to claim it as my own. And I think that that's, I've been examining this a lot lately, especially around, there's so many, so much conversation around porn culture. And I think even just the practice that we have as as boys nowadays, where we can look at highly sexualized images and not have any relationship or connection to the person that we are looking at, mm-hmm. that we're soaking up. 
And uh, so do you think that that plays a part in this, this tendency we have to objectify? Oh, entirely. When you look at the way in which social media is and, and our media, it like so many, so many women will, will speak to this and say, you know, my, my photos in a bikini, my photos that are more revealing will get more likes than, you know, my photo of, I don't know, me riding a motorcycle, whatever, whatever the comparison is there. But we have been conditioned to validate that expression of the, the body of, of that archetype. And it's been as, as men growing up in North America in the 80s and 90s, we've been conditioned to view you know, women as that, as this, this object, whether it's through the porn culture or through MTV or you know, Maxim Magazine, whatever it is, there's this turn on that we're conditioned into just viewing women in this this box that we were given in this way in which they've been personified to us like this is this is the idea right here here's the archetype of what sexy is here's the archetype of who you should fuck here's here's you know what you see in porn or in a playboy magazine that's that's the the reference point that you now have for that conquest so now go out mm-hmm. there and validate that because this is what we're showing and mm-hmm. and that that just doesn't work because then you're seeing young teens or, or high school girls who are posting bikini pictures on Instagram for, for likes because they know that they're going to get more notoriety, they're going to get more followers as a result of that, as opposed to you know, showing a, a more authentic version of themselves. And I'm not saying don't, don't embody and embrace your, your essence and your body and, and all that you have to, to own. I mean, I, I post <laughs> many, many revealing photos of myself on, on social media. <laughs> but there's there's a way in which the energetic behind it has been conditioned into our society to validate the objectification as opposed to somebody just honoring their vessel, honoring their body and being proud of that. Right. Right. So so it's it, it, there's a role that the women play as well is is feeding into that. And, and so that we're, we're, we're responsible on both sides. We as men get to check ourselves for how we're in this uh, objectification or honoring and women who are clearly posting pictures for a specific purpose to, to garner that attention, to garner that validation, right? So there's something, there's a piece for all of us in that, I believe. Yeah, I guess the, the question that came through is like, how, how does a woman post a powerful embodied photo that she feels super sexy and confident in and fully in her feminine? Mm-hmm. I, have, I have, you know, many friends who will post nude photos of themselves very tastefully because they say, I feel more in my power. I feel more in my feminine. I feel more self-expressed right now in this image than I do in any other image. And I want to show that because this is who I am. This is the embodiment of my essence. And how how do we create the world where it's safe for them to feel that and express that without that then becoming the the sexualization of the objectification or oh that means that you want to fuck me. you posted a, mm. a taste a tasteful photo of you that was nude and covered or or naked in nature or or you know there is a, a cheeky swimming photo whatever it is that now means that you you like sex so so we can fuck and and how do you how do you create the bridge from honoring that embodiment of the, the self-expression where an empowering photo for a woman to, to say, you know, this is actually something that really makes me feel empowered and it makes me feel embodied in my essence. And I want to show this to the world. I want to, I want to own this. It's, it's the truest form of self-expression. It's the truest form of, of art is our vessel, how we decide to show mm-hmm. that to the world. 
So how do we create the container? How do we create the situation for women to feel safe expressing that without it then becoming an objectification? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And to recognize that we we have the power to check in with our purpose and intention uh-huh. in every moment. And I think, I think that's really what it comes down to is that checkpoint. What is my purpose? What is my purpose and my reason behind putting up a nude photo of myself? Mm-hmm. And if there's, if there's a clear, honest intention behind it that is empowering, that is aligned with what you're choosing, mm-hmm. then I think, that's, I think that's really the checkpoint. But I, I'm sure a lot of people who post photos of themselves, if they were being really honest, it's, yeah, I want the attention because the attention makes me feel good. And I think that's, I think that's just the reality. I mean, you can, you can, you can peruse social media for long enough. And you can, you can, you could see that that's, that's what a lot of people seem to be doing behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So, totally. um, and, and that's, that's really important because that's, that's really, really where relationship starts. It starts with the relationship within ourselves, right. And being able to honor ourselves and be aligned with our purest commitments and intentions. Mm-hmm. And so, um, let's let that segue into a little bit more about your story and, you know, in the spirit of relationships, I know that you said you'd be really transparent about your relationship history and how you've gotten into this deeper question of, of love, of relationship, and relating to ourselves and each other. Yeah, entirely. I've had quite the journey with relationships. I'm, I'm, you know, it's it's definitely my dharma of this life, or or at least a big a big part of my dharma. I it, it kind of ties into like. It goes back to childhood. When I was a young kid, I started working with energy at the age of like five or six and started moving energy, learned how to manipulate energy and begin healing from, you know, a very young age and then started casting spells and doing like wizardry at nighttime by candlelight. I'm literally holding a wand as we talk about this, not a <laughs> yeah, not a euphemism. That. It's a, a literal crystal wand. And, and, <laughs> and I, I started doing that at at a young age. And then at around, uh, just before my 16th birthday, I, I had sex for the first time. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. There's nothing else in the world. And I lost contact with, you know, with spirit, with my desire to connect with energies and, and magic and just became so engulfed in, in women. My relationships with men didn't exist. I didn't have friends. I didn't have a core group of people that I had as my tribe growing up. So I would lean into relationships. I'd lean into women for that comfort. And what that looked like was, you know, all through my teenage years, I would find somebody that we would date and we would have sex and we would connect and I'd be friends with her and I'd be friends with her friends. And then it wouldn't work out. And we would end that. And then I'd move on to somebody else and find safety in that. And all of this was just looking for the safety that I'm, I'm not alone, that I have support, that I have somebody that cares about me because I didn't have that growing up. I did. I had my family. I had my brother. I had his friends, but I saw all these groups of friends in school and, and, you know, I saw on, on TV and saved by the bell. And I saw how these, these groups of friends supported one another. And I desired for that. So my way of finding that was through relationship. And the way I found relationship was through sex. And, mm. and all through that, I, I had an, an unhealthy relationship with sex because I'm constantly seeking for the validation. I'm constantly seeking for, for somebody to say, hey, you're okay. You're pretty cool. I want to hang out with you. It, it led to me um, you know, stepping out on, in my marriage. I, I was in a 12 and a half year relationship and six years of that uh, was a marriage. 
And during those six years, I had an affair that I was completely living a double life where I was fully checked out of both relationships because I was so out of touch with with what was actually going on inside, which was this deep sense that I wasn't safe. It was this deep sense of not feeling fully seen or heard and, and safe to express my desires, safe to express my truth and be in that. You know, in, in my marriage, my, my ex-wife, such a beautiful, beautiful soul and so kind and so caring. And there just wasn't a, a physical connection. There wasn't um, the, the sex life that I desired. And with the affair, that sex life was there, but there wasn't the emotional connection, that support system. And it got to the breaking point where I was so overwhelmed with all of it. I was on a, a pretty regular regimen of Xanax or Valium and drinking a good amount of wine every night and smoking pot, not to connect with spirit, but to entirely check out and fall asleep because I couldn't fall asleep any other way. I was having panic attacks and literally blacking out. And it got to the point where I just ended it all. I had a breaking point and I was like, I'm out, I'm done. And I left them both in within 24 hours. And 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 you know both the, both the marriage and the and the affair you left both uh, in the, the same the, yeah, time period the affair the affair at that point it kind of like trickled out we were we were taking time and, and navigating a space of of like not connecting physically and i hadn't closed that container and it got to the point where i came home and and i told my now ex-wife i said you know i'm 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 not happy i'm i'm not happy and i haven't been for a really long time and that was the first time that was the first time in my life that i remember truly speaking my truth where it would hurt somebody else to hear it because up until that mm. point my truth was i desire to connect with somebody else my truth is i'm not satisfied sexually my truth is i'm not happy in this relationship but all of that i i had created this story of how difficult that would be for somebody to hear so for me, it was better to just pretend like everything was happy and to keep living this life. And, and mm -hmm. you know, ultimately got to the point where I'm like, I can't fucking do this anymore. And mm. when, when those ended and I came out of that, I instantly, instantly without a break, I fell into the most profound relationship of my life at that time. And mm. she was beautiful and kind and caring and spiritual. And she gave me a reference point for what was possible. If I just spoke my truth and I, I started to talk about desires and expressed how I wanted to be expressed sexually. And we, we looked at, you know, we looked at my, my unconscious behavior that, that caused me to act out. And we, we looked at past relationships and how we both were in that. And that relationship gave us the foundation to, start to talk about our desires, start to talk about what it is that we want within a sexual relationship. How do we want to express ourselves? What, what do you desire? How do we create a safe space for so, you to talk about that? So was this the first time that you started to share honestly about your experience in a relationship with a woman? Yes. Like, okay. Okay, cool. So let's back up for a second. So before, before that whole pivot happened into this new way of being in relationship, there's a lot of stuff to unpack. In <laughs> first of all, why, why wait so long to walk away from, uh, from the, a marriage that you knew you weren't feeling fulfilled in? The, the foundation that I had been given from a very young age of what a relationship was supposed to look like, mm. the way in which you can be provided for, the structure, the, the finances, the, the level of comfort, the reference point that I had for relationship point, relationships at that point was it doesn't necessarily have to work. You don't have to be able to communicate that well but there is a foundation of stability. Mm. 
here's here you're financially stable you're able to buy a home you're able to have kids and because all of my relationships up until that point all through my teenage years none of them fit those those markers of what a relationship was supposed to look like this woman didn't have enough money so she's not a suitable suitable wife this person you know i i'm attracted to sexually but intellectually i'm not um, this person doesn't get along with my parents and they should get along with my parents. This person doesn't get along with their siblings and they should be a good family person. All of the beliefs that I had been told and I had built up of what a relationship was supposed to look like, my wife ticked all of those boxes. And the entire time I was married, I thought that there was something wrong with me. I thought that, that mm. you know, I don't feel right in this relationship, but that's, that's okay. That's okay to be unhappy. That's okay to not want to be in this relationship. That's okay to allow yourself to disconnect. You know, you can connect with this person over here and it's okay because you're still in this, this happy bubble over here. You know, her, her mm -hmm. parents are talking about buying us a house. We would go on, you know, amazing five-star around-the-world vac vacations. That was what I thought it meant to be in relationship was having this reference point of success and stability. So my desire to leave that, my desire to go outside of that, I didn't have a reference point for anything other than that. I didn't know that it was okay with the exception of the affair. And that affair, there was a level of emotional abuse that I was subjected to. And I didn't feel safe in that either, but there was the, the sexual aspect. So I was feeling satisfied sexually, but not satisfied emotionally and actually a level of abuse emotionally. So both of which I was just scared to actually speak up in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's something that a lot of, a lot of guys can relate to is, is finding yourself in a situation in a relationship that is not satisfying and doesn't feel good on a, on like an intuitive, like feeling level on like an emotional level that we can connect to. Whereas on the outside, it checks all the boxes or there's a lot of stuff that works about it. But even, you know, early on in relation, when you're first getting to relationships like that, it can be hard to have a reference point for what, what we're allowed to have. I remember feeling that myself. Like, am I actually allowed to be this fulfilled and happy in a relationship when I met my wife? Like, is that, is that something I'm allowed to have? Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't look like anything else I've ever seen before in my life. Not at home, not even in my own parents' marriage. You know, they, they have their own way of holding marriage and relationship that, that I wouldn't say matches what, what I have and what I've found. So it's an important thing to reflect is that we all get to experience and explore what fulfills us on a, on a relational level, mm -hmm. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. So then I'm interested in the, you said six years into the relationship was when the other relationship began in, uh, outside of the marriage. So I right? was married. So a 12 year, 12 year relationship. And of those 12 years, six years of those was a marriage. So we can just call it a 12 year relationship. And, and in, in the marriage, so I proposed after dating for six years and we got married and about a year and a half into the marriage, I began the affair. Okay. And, and the affair, you know, was with my boss. It was with the woman that, that hired me and I was freelance. So there was a level of, there was a level of like financial security that I felt within that, that I, I didn't mm. know how to leave that with, with being financially stable. You know, I, I didn't know how to not be in that relationship and still continue to work. Mm. So I'm interested in what was going back to that moment when you first decided to engage in this other relationship. Just just take us back in time to that moment, because I think that that's something that a lot of men who have either considered that before or have made that choice could relate to and get some benefit from hearing another man's story. 
What were you what were you battling with and what was coming up for you in making that choice? I went on a, a work trip with with my boss. We started a I think it was a six week job that we were traveling the world with. And there was I wasn't sexually satisfied in my marriage. I didn't feel sexually expressed or or desired. That's not true. There was a level of desire that my wife expressed to me, but I, I was unable to receive it because there wasn't like a physical attraction. Mm. And when I began this work trip one night, like after a really busy day and, and we had dinner and, and had some wine, we were hanging out and that's, that's where the, the opportunity arose was, you know, we we're working in the hotel room and kind of led to a more playful interaction, which led to flirtation, which led to connection, which led to intimacy. And that was the start of it. And I told myself, I, I was able to justify it as like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm traveling and it doesn't count. And like, it was one time and she knows that I'm married. So there's a level of safety there. And all of these, these stories that I allowed myself to believe on top of that, I'm, I'm on a, a daily dose of Xanax and Valium. So I'm completely out of tune with like most of my emotions. I'm traveling, mm. I'm traveling the world for work. And every time I get on a flight, I'm, I'm taking, you know, a Valium. Every time I go to sleep, I'm taking a Xanax. So that, that shit is just pumping through my system to where I have, I have very little connection with my emotions, let alone my emotional experience. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it was, oh, shit, like this is somebody who is in, in a position of power. And, and that wasn't the case at all. Like it, it wasn't, I didn't feel taken advantage of. I didn't feel as though that was used. We were friends outside of that. We were freelance. Like that's not, you know, what I'm, what I'm insinuating here, but it was, there, there was a level of success that I saw to her. Like she had her own financials. She was doing it on her own. There was an attraction to that. Like you don't need your family. You're, you're, you're successful. You're doing this. And there was a turn on within that. And then it was like, oh, you desire me. You want to be with me. You want to, you, you want to have sex. And as a result of that, I was just like, yeah, okay, cool. Like I feel desired. I feel wanted. I feel seen. And, and I just allowed that to unfold. And then mm. that led to that led to a very like casual thing for a little while where it was like, oh, well, you know, we're still friends and we're working and then we have sex sometimes. And then that turned into like a, a more serious thing. And then it was like, we were almost dating and then it was like, we were dating and I'm also still married. And it was, it was fucking so much on my system. Like I was so, I, cu- I couldn't sleep. I was just like so out of it. I'm just imagining trying to keep that up. I mean, that, that must've been, that must've been really exhausting uh, on every level, physically, emotionally. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sure all of us are different. And I know that uh, withholding a truth like that, you can only rationalize and justify that for so long until it starts to weigh, weigh on you. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you start to feel guilt? lean in at some point? Yeah, instantly, instantly. And I had my friend Xanax and Valium that was Mm. able to suppress that. And on multiple, multiple occasions, you know, in, in the years that I was having that affair, I think I blacked out four or five times, completely lost consciousness. I had a full on panic attack. and, Mm. And one time I collapsed in a hotel lobby in Barcelona. I felt it coming on Another time I was back home for Christmas at my ex-wife's house and I blacked out in her bathroom and like cracked my head on the, the sink. Like there were multiple times when my body just shut down because it couldn't hold it. It went into straight mm. panic mode. Yeah. 
wow, man, those are some pretty extreme circumstances and, and a lot to hold in them. I'm sure that there are guys out there listening who have experienced this in some form or fashion before, sometimes on the receiving end of it too. I've been on both ends. Only only one time in my life have I have I stepped outside of a relationship. And I remember it just being the, the heaviest, most cumbersome feeling in the world to, to experience that. And then to be on the other side of the infidelity, I guess, for lack of a better word, it, it just never feels good. And I'm, it, the question that comes to my mind is, do you think there's anybody who steps outside of a relationship that they, that they are 100% fulfilled in? You think, you mean, do they, are they 100% fulfilled in the relationship and they still step outside? Yeah. Do you think, do you think there's anybody that, that those are the circumstances or is there some common theme here we can pick up on? I, I think so. I think, I think you're able to feel fulfilled in relationship and still step outside. I think it comes down to feeling safe. I think you can feel Mm. entirely fulfilled, but not safe to express your desires or express your truth for fear of that not being met or for fear of that being painful. And as a result of that, you know, I, I think men or women um, will will step outside because there's a lack of safety that they feel, and it's ultimately a lack of safety that they are creating within themselves. You know, that's that's a lot of the work I do with with men and women and with couples. I was on a call last night with with somebody and and was talking about really at the end of the day in relation when it comes to sex and sexuality, we get to create the container. We get to create the agreement and the foundation to have the conversation around our desires. And we, we, we get to have those in a safe space where they don't actually have to be acted upon or fulfilled. So if, mm. if, if, if I'm in relationship with somebody and we, we set up the evening, we set up a ceremony or whatever it looks like for you. And we say, listen, I want to just sit here and speak all of the desires that we have in relationships sexually. And I want a safe space to feel as though I can express them fully and, and, and trust that we can have a conversation about them to see if any of them land as ones that can be acted upon and ones that just don't resonate and would be too triggering. And, and then to be able to have that conversation to say, listen, you know, Sitting here right now, I desire to have sex with you and another woman at the same time. And that doesn't necessarily have to come to fruition, but I just want to speak to that. And if that's something that is truly a desire of mine to be acted upon, if I say to myself, that's something that I really know I want to, I want to experience, that's something I really know that I desire, and my partner cannot hold that. If they say, you know what, thank you for speaking to that, but I, I, don't, I don't receive that. I can't, I can't hold that then I get to look at myself and I get to say, okay, well, how valuable is this to me? How much value do I hold this desire at? And, and if, it's, if it's something that I know I need to desire, you know, I know I need to act upon, then, then this relationship just isn't a vibrational match. This relationship isn't one for me. But if that's something I can mm-hmm. compromise on, if I say, okay, well, yeah, that would be really fun. It'd be really fun and I could live without it. Okay, thanks for telling me that you're not comfortable with that. What if, what if we just have another woman around and, and you guys make out and I watch? Like, what about that? Oh, not comfortable with that? Okay, to me, that, that I know is a desire that I want to have. So that now this doesn't work. But, but creating the foundation to have the conversation about your desires first and foremost and know that they don't have to be acted upon. And if it's something that is, is truly a desire that you wish to have fulfilled, then it's just not the right relationship if she can't hold it. And, and you get to accept that you can call somebody in who is a match, who can hold all of your desires. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, and so in, in that example, at least you're talking about sexual compatibility and an alignment of sexual desires and sexual willingness to express that and to explore that. Is it more than that? And when it comes to relationship or is that kind of where you focus in and find that a lot of people are not speaking their truth when it comes to their sexual desires? I think a lot of people are afraid to speak their truth when it comes to their sexual desires. There's so much sexuality. It's about finding the ability to communicate in a safe way all that you desire to express. And if it doesn't change, that becomes like, how do you have the difficult conversations where it feels out of alignment for you, where something feels off for you? And it doesn't just have to be sexually. I, I speak about it because that's where so many of my my wounds are from my past. And that's something I've mm-hmm. really been looked, but it's not just, it's not just sex and sexuality. Mm. Yeah, I, I hear that, man. And I think that that is a really important thing to highlight is that a, a lot of us don't vocalize those sexual desires and, and don't express them. I know for many, many years and in many relationships, I, I held back a lot of that. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that, man. It's, it's powerful work. And so you know, walking us forward a bit in your experience in relationships, you started to share with us that after your marriage and after the, the relationship you had while well, within your marriage, you you went through this relationship right afterwards that really opened things up for you. And it seems like that's where you started to discover this new dialogue around safety, just being clear so that you can be safe in in the relationship. You know, the, the relationship that I had after my marriage, um, you know, it was really beautiful and expansive, but it, it brought up a lot of my triggers and my wounding that I didn't look at, um, at the level of depth that I was being asked to by the universe. And as a result of that, after two years, we uncoupled while we were on a, a trip together in India. And I came back from that trip and was for the first time in my life now 32 and single. I, you know, I'd been in relationships since I was 15, since I'd been disconnected from that spirit, from energy, from, from all of it. And I came to this space of, okay, well now I get to see who am I outside of relationship? Who am I on my own? Who am I without the reflection of you? And it became this deep dive study of, you know, what type of person do I want to be in the world? How do I want to create? How do I want to make my mark? Every single reference point that I had for creating was I'm creating with somebody. I'm I'm building my resource a family with this person. I'm creating this job so that this person can, you know, work with me. Everything was always through the reflection of another. And now I was at a place where it's like, well, what do I actually want? And that was super challenging and, and triggering and, and confrontational for me at the beginning. And it, it just took, it took time. It took a lot of time of me sitting in the discomfort, sitting in the pain, sitting in the, the loss to, to fully allow myself to feel all of it. And by allowing myself to feel all of it, I began to heal all of it. And as a result, you know, my connection with spirit and my intuition and my healer came back online. All of that work I was doing as a kid and a teenager just came full circle. I did my, my Reiki attunement, my Vedic healing attunement. I started playing with other energies and, and you know, playing with magic again. And it, it all surfaced as soon as the space was there for me to actually look at who I was underneath all of it. And through doing that, you know, I got to this place where I desired to continue to creating something outside of the traditional way that I've been creating. I had been, I'd been producing content for, you know, 10 years of my life at this point. And 
two years prior, I'd shifted into creating conscious content, content, content that could affect change on the planet, content that could actually help people better their lives. So I worked on some documentaries and did ocean preservation pieces and campaigns for you know women to feel safe expressing themselves. And Adam and Ryan had started filming The Art of Choosing Love. And I had said to them, I said, you know, when, when you see a way for me to get involved, I'm down. You have, you know, a producer that's been producing videos for Jay-Z and Beyonce and Apple and Google for 10 years. And I want to come and produce this shit with you. And it got to the place where the invitation was there and the opportunity was there to step in. And I came on board just after Burning Man in September and got to for the first time in my life, merge the, the producer and, and the mystic alchemist. I could take the essence of the healer and, and the wizard and the, the mystic with the, the Hollywood producer and the businessman and the, the one that understands you know, how to manage multi-million dollar budgets and contracts. And I could just take the essence of each one and alchemize it into who I am now. I could take all of the skills that I had from both and just become a, a larger embodiment of my purest essence. And, and that's what it was. And the show and what we're creating has been so beautiful because I get to travel the world, you know, creating amazing moments. That's led me into really understanding more clearly of who I am and a really beautiful self-discovery of who I want to be. I've I've developed a really deep like tantric practice within myself and an energy practice within myself. I've really honed in on the sacredness of sexuality and connection, really finding and getting very clear about the types of situations that I desire to call in, the types of people that I desire to call in, like recognizing the way I was in the past and, and my desire just to connect and now really seeing the, the sacredness calling in the, the, the divinity in, in all things. You know, I'm, I'm at this place now where I'm very clear with myself that I don't desire to be in relationship at this point in time in my life. And I don't know if that'll change in a week or a month, but I'm checking in every day. And right now, as I travel the world for the next seven months, I'm, I'm still seeing who I am. I'm see, still seeing how I engage in the world, how I interact in the world, how I, I make my mark. And, and that looks like me not committing to a relationship in the traditional sense that I have committed mm. to one in the past. And it's, it's super challenging and also really beautiful and, and has led to you know, some really beautiful growth opportunities for myself and, and recognizing how, how I can how I can operate in the world. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. And it's, again, just so powerful to hear your story of self-discovery and aligning your purpose with your mission in this life, man. I really, I really enjoyed watching you and Ryan and Adam co-create together. It's been an amazing process to witness and I look forward to, uh, to seeing many more things that you guys will create on this journey. Thank you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's beautiful to see what you're creating and beautiful family and, and all the magic that you're weaving down here or I guess up <laughs> right on. Thank you, brother. Listen, I know we got to st start cutting this up. So I want to ask you a couple of lightning questions. Okay. Instant, uh, instant responses. Yeah. So what is one thing you've learned in your life that you wish you knew when you were 18? Sex is fucking sacred. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, and what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Uh, integrity. Mm -hmm. 
And how can people follow you, find you to learn more about what you do and more about the project that you guys are working on? Yeah, on Instagram, it is The Healing Matt with two T's, M-A-T-T on Facebook. It is Matthew Aris on YouTube. It is The Art of Choosing Love. Or you can go to theartofchoosinglove.com or matthewaris.com. Excellent, man. And I saw that the season finale is coming out or has it already come out? Yeah, season finale came out last Sunday, two days ago or three days ago, I guess it's Wednesday. Excellent. Okay, cool. We'll we'll pop a link in there so everybody can check it out. Amazing work that you guys are doing. Again, brother, thank you so much for making this conversation happen and for bringing your truth to the table. I know that there's many men out there who are on a who are in very similar questions and similar challenges that you shared. So uh, your, your truth is inspiring many others out there, I'm sure. Beautiful. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. And I look forward to uh, connecting with you soon. Likewise, bro. Same here, man. All righty. There you have it. Uh, apologies for some of the connectivity issues we had. It was a little bit choppy at times. So uh, I know my man, Sean, Offenbach over at Infinite Melodics clean this one up nicely for all of you guys out there. But uh, my biggest personal reflection and takeaway about this episode is how when we get into codependent relationships and we fall into these cycles of looking for ourselves inside of another person, another human being, we lose sight of who we really are. We lose connection to and discovery of who we are and who we're meant to be in this life. And we give our power and our ability to be happy and fulfilled away to somebody else, whether they want that responsibility or not. And I really appreciate and respect Matthew's ability and his, his willingness to be so candid about his experience and both with stepping outside of his marriage and, and stepping into a relationship where he first began to express himself honestly and his desires and and now to just see how that work has evolved in the world i'm really grateful and honored to know matthew and ryan and adam and and the work that they're doing out there so make sure you guys go check out the art of choosing love it's really compelling work and it's done in such an amazing way these are some of the three most creative guys that i know and, and they're putting together some magic out there so make sure you guys go and check that out like i mentioned on the top of the show we're going to be aiming for an august elements men's initiation weekend i'm taking a little bit of a hiatus while we welcome in our second child and have a little time to integrate our family of four so looking at a date in august but in the meantime if you want to check out what we're doing and what elements is all about head over to rise.jettyzuma.com slash elements As always, you can get the show notes for links and resources pertaining to this episode and every episode at therisingmanpodcast.com. Please subscribe to The Rising Man Podcast and follow us on the app of your choice. Really, really, really helps raise our ratings and get The Rising Man Podcast in front of more faces and inside of more ears. So please do that whether you're listening to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on any one of the fives that you listen to The Rising Man Podcast podcast uh, and give us some love give us some feedback give us some comments let us know how we're doing and how we can continue to make this podcast valuable to you and while you're at it check out the amazing work my man rowan tyne is doing for us on instagram at rising man podcast rowan has been working with me for many months now and has really really elevated what we're doing on our social media all over the place for the rising man so lots of love over to you rowan and for any of you guys who need some help and support with your social media with your branding with your design work check out rowan at rowan tyne r-o-w-a-n-t-y-n-e on instagram he is the man 
I already mentioned him, but I'll mention him again. My man, Sean Offenbach at Infinite Melodics, spinning out these episodes every time. He had his work cut out for him with this one. My internet was being tricky, but as always, he did his magic and made this one. Thank you, Sean, for the work that you do. My man, Julian, doing all the work behind the scenes to make sure you guys have show notes every single week. So grateful for everything you're doing, brother. Keep up the great work. And my man, Mark, who's working on special top secret Rising Man projects to come in the year 2019. Thank you, brother, for all that you do. Okay, I'm going to cut it off right there. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.